This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Hello and welcome to Plato's Cave, a 3RRR film criticism show and podcast. We have a full cave tonight. My name is Thomas Cordwell. I'm joined by Cerise Howard, Alexandra Helen Nicholas and Emma Westwood. Good evening, everybody. Hello. 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 <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was an excited hello because we've got an exciting show. We're going to be taking a look at 20th Century Women, an independent American film set in the late 70s and starring Annette Benning. And we're going to take a look at, it's kind of the film of the moment, I suppose, Wonder Woman. You know, this is the first superhero film with a female lead in over a decade. That is something that may come up in conversation. Uh, Yeah, I think that's the last one, Electra, in 2003. How good was that? I I decided to give that one a miss. (laughs) Yeah. And I think before that was Catwoman. And I think... Really? Another sort of dud. Yeah, that probably be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're talking branded. We we should save... Yeah, we should save this conversation for for Wonder Woman in the middle of the show. It's a teaser. It's a a teaser, yeah. We're going to start off with Hounds of Love. This is a new Australian film by writer-director Ben Young, making his feature film debut. It premiered last year at the Venice Film Festival... It's an Australian thriller that's been compared to films such as Snowtown and The Boys, set in the Perth suburbs in the summer of 1987. It takes its inspiration from the spate of murders committed by serial killer Eric Edgar Cook in the 50s and 60s, as well as the kidnappings, sexual abuses and murders committed by David and Catherine Burney in the 1980s. In Hounds of Love, Stephen Curry and Emma Booth play John and Evelyn White, a couple who kidnap, rape and murder young girls. When they kidnap their latest victim, 17-year-old Vicky Maloney, played by Ashley Cummings, things get complicated when Evelyn begins to suspect John is becoming attached to her. So he started off with a happy film. <laughs> yeah. Where Do we want to start with this question of why is this film being compared to Snowtown and The Boys? Because I, I don't yeah. think it's a good comparison. No, right? I don't I, think I it's have, a good um, comparison at all. I have complicated... I've, I have a complicated story about this film. You have a whole relationship yeah. with this film already, So this Alex. is this <laughs> increasingly common experience for me is that I find out about Australian genre film from film critic friends overseas... Um, where they come to me and they say, I just saw at a festival this amazing Australian film. Um, I think, no, it wasn't Fright Fest. I'm not quite sure where this played well, in the Venice. UK. Venice. Oh, no. UK, was it? Yeah, it played somewhere in the UK. And that was the first that I heard about it. It was when UK critics came to me and said, oh, my God, Hounds of Love. Maybe in Encounters? Do they um, do features or are they just shorts? I'm not sure. Sh- I've just gone. Yes, I'm, I'm a dizzy little thing. It doesn't matter. But um, it played in the UK And I looked here. it up and I saw the poster and I thought, wow. And also Kate Bush, wow. Good um, poster. Uh-huh, beautiful poster. poster. Also Kate Bush, wow. No Kate Bush, though. No, no Kate Bush. But it's called Hounds they of Love. Get, anyway. They couldn't get the rights. So, yeah, I, I've been um, – I've seen this film – twice and the first time I saw it I adored it and was a little bit iffy about the ending. The second time I watched it I had a very strong negative reaction to it precisely on this um, you know this true crime relationship um, that you've that you've kind of honed in on Thomas and I've sat on that for a while now and thought about that again and I think I've kind of swung back to the middle um, in that I realised that a lot of that is baggage that I've brought to this film rather than the film is actually Containing, and that's not fair, I think, just as a critic, but also as an audience member. And I think the Snowtown in particular, so Snowtown is called Snowtown. There is no question that Snowtown is based on the crimes that were discovered in the town called Snowtown. Yeah. There's no question. And mm-hmm. Ditto the Boys was about 
real events. It was, but the boys actually doesn't use her name. Um, and, oh, okay. Um, the boys is... Um, so there's a degree of fictionalisation the boy, in the boys? The boys is closer to this film than it is to Snowtown. Um, okay. So they don't... They, and there's no Anita Cobby in yeah. the boys. Yeah. There's no... Um, because there's, this film doesn't claim to be based on a real event. No, it just says it's taken inspiration. And I think that that's really, really important yeah. because, the, I mean, I know that there is uh, this Eric chap who was no, a no-good, down, dirty person. This is the guy from the 50s and 60s? Yeah, but yeah. The, the David Burney and uh, David and Catherine Burney connection is quite explicit. I mean, yeah. if you know the... I think you know, if you're from Perth, if you've got friends or family from Perth, I think that the David Burney and Catherine Burney case is quite... You know, it's very, very closely linked to the action that we see, but it deviates in really key ways that if it was a if it was a true crime film, I think I would have the right to be very uncomfortable about. Mm-hmm. But the film is not a true crime film. It doesn't say this is based on a true story. These characters are not called David and Catherine Burney. Um, it's not set. There's a shot in it where I think it shows the street is Malcolm Street that the events. So the street name is quite different. It goes to that some great Malcolm, length. Yeah. To not to to not have it be that, but at the same time, it is that. So there's yeah. this interesting yeah. tension. Critics overseas haven't picked up on any of this because they don't know. I mean, I've I've read reviews from overseas where people are, their minds are blown because they have never seen netball before. This film opens with girls playing netball. You read American reviews and it's like there's girls playing some kind of weird form of basketball. <laughs> so they're more concerned with things like that than. So th- this is maybe more closer in maybe Spirit to Wolf Creek, which is also inspired by real events, but it's a radically fictionalized work. Yeah, I, th- yeah. Yeah, I think so. I actually saw um, Stephen Curry talk at a Q&A about this and he avoid he didn't talk about he didn't actually even mention those true crimes by name he said they were inspired but he and and I'm paraphrasing here but it, it would seem like he was suggesting for legal reasons that there was not well, a direct one, correlation yeah, there I as mean, well there are people still alive there are people yeah. who survived the Burnies, so or a person who survived the Burnies, and that's in particular. I don't want to give spoilers away about Hounds of Love, but there are there are people who are still living that that film. If it was a direct true crime film, I yeah, I, it sat very uncomfortably with me until I realised that perhaps I wasn't being fair because it's not a true crime film. It was interesting um, to you know, it, am I bringing this baggage yeah. to the film? Yeah, when the film is trying so hard to distance itself from it, it is this interesting critical tension that mm. you know it's mm. not me, it's you. No, no, it's, it's the other way around. <laughs> it's also uh, I felt those um, comparisons to the boys and Snowtown weren't didn't sit well with me anyway because tonally it's a very different film. In some ways, this is almost upbeat compared to those films. That's a really strange thing to say, but it felt like that to me. Um, I found it really hard watching both Snowtown and The Boys. They were hard films to be with, to sit with. They were really uncomfortable films. And while this film is, you know, uncomfortable as well, it's got glimmers of light in it. It's not completely dour. So um, I, I found it, seeing Stephen Curry talk about it was a really interesting experience because I actually heard him, I saw him at a Q&A at Nova and I heard him speak on 774 before he went in and I, I kind of felt that he was making excuses for his role because he had never played this bad guy role, he'd only played good guy roles and he was very much... Um, trying to explain why he did it and why it was an important role for him to do, which kind of makes me annoyed because it's like, 
it's art, it's a film, it's about the human condition. Why, why, are you, why are you trying to give us excuses about this? And then I thought, oh, it's because it's a 774 audience, you know, it's a bit more commercial. And then when I actually heard him at the, the Q&A, he did the same thing, which really sort of upset me. I felt he wasn't as comfortable with the role as he... He obviously wanted to do it because it's a great role for an actor, but... Um, everyone's sort of raving about his performance and I actually thought he was that showed that he wasn't that comfortable with it. I thought he was actually the weaker performance in the film. The Emma Booth and Ashley Cumming I thought were excellent. Um, yeah, he just was a little off for me, basically. Well, I actually thought he was really good uh, but the, the film, I, I came to this with no knowledge of any true crime connections. I think that's a good way to come to yeah. this. I, I wondered whether there mightn't be some, and I watched the credits to the end to see whether uh, it acknowledged any link to real events, and, of course, it denied any such things. I thought, OK, well, I'll take that on face value. I'm not going to do any research as to whether this is based on anything. I'm going to take the film at face uh, value. And uh, I, I found it reasonably harrowing, but not Snowtown harrowing, which is really some serious next-level harrowing. I love the phrase reasonably harrowing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is. We're harrowed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it employs some very familiar tropes of, let's say, if there's such a thing as a, a harrowing film genre. Uh, we've got this ominous thrumming throughout, courtesy of Dan Luscombe on guitar. He uh, plays with the drones locally. He's a, a veteran of Melbourne's rock scene. And that just pulses away, pulsates away throughout and generally makes things, uh, uh, just puts you on edge. Um, we have the use of a 70s classic a la Reservoir Dogs to accompany a scene of ultraviolence, which we don't see as much as we later might think we did. Uh, but there's um, a truly, truly uh, distressing um, sequence to a Moody Blues song. And, uh, Quite effective. But, yeah, very effective. <laughs> um, almost makes me like that song a little more because I've always loathed it. Uh, but um, you know, there's something in the stunt casting of a comedian as a baddie that... I think detracts from the film's potential to be extremely harrowing a la, say, Daniel Henshaw in Snowtown was more or less unknown. When we see him in that film, I mean, this, I think Snowtown, like the boys, will lose some of its power uh, with time because these people become well-known actors. Like David Wenham is hardly as scary when you return to the boys now because you've seen him be, was he Diver Dan in Sea Change? You know, yes. he's David Wenham. <laughs> yeah, the boys yeah. were still very early, though. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the boys, it was, but now... I found harrowing, yeah. Yes, but when <laughs> returning to it, you can bring all that baggage that helps just ease your yeah. concerns. It's, it's suddenly a lot less... Oh, they're just acting. Mm. Oh, bless. <laughs> and you've got a nice little little release valve there. Um, I, I saw, I'm still very impressed with the performances. I thought Stephen Curry was actually fabulous, totally cast against type. Um, but any real psychologization of these characters is pretty minimal. And um, and that's interesting in a way, but also kind of frustrating. And I found the ending not particularly satisfying. I found it ideologically actually kind of yucko, um, <laughs> just this, just the gender politics. I thought first time I saw it, I thought it was a bit weak. Second time I saw, saw it, I thought, and again, I'm very conscious of not giving away spoilers, but um, there are certain assumptions in films like this about what women are and are not capable of on the villainy front. Um and I think that there is a tendency to essentialise. I know I'm being ambiguous, but yeah, let's just say I, I 
I didn't like the ending of this film very much. I don't think it's as strong as the first two thirds. I had mixed feelings while watching most of this film, and it completely lost me by the end. The end I thought was just really bad, generic, um, get out of jail free card type stuff. It, it, it didn't really make any sense with how the characters have been developed up until then either. I mean, yeah, there's basically one thing happens that allows the ending to flow on, and I just didn't see that that made sense for what we'd seen before. And I think this is taps in what you were saying, Cerise, about I, I think this film is lacking a sort of psychological insight. I was really curious to get some idea about what has motivated these this man and this woman to do this over and over again to young girls. Um, I mean, it is such an unusual... I mean, and the, the real case it was based on was just so unusual and, and, and disturbing as well that not only was this man doing this, but his partner was going along with him and to what degree was she involved, what degree was she kind of helping him because she saw that was, that was the only way of keeping her... keeping him with her. And, and I think that the film kind of... It does distance itself from the real events, but I think it turns some really serious, nasty crimes that we know do take place into kind of horror spectacle. And, I'm, I mean, this is probably something you're far more qualified than I am to talk about, Alex, but it's, when is that line of, of bodily horror... When do you cross it and it becomes just kind of really foul unless you're doing something with it that has more meaning? And, and this film doesn't show you a lot, but it uses that very effective technique of sort of the camera... Uh, starts to zoom away slowly mm. as the music intensifies and the Doesn't door closes. Doesn't show much at all. No, he's a really yeah. good filmmaker. I but think yeah. that's something that we all probably... I mean, I think we could agree on. Ben Young is a really strong oh, yeah. filmmaker. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that yeah. this this script is really wobbly at the end and I think that it needed a much... It's, it's very, very wobbly if you consider it um, in relation to the actual facts of the Bernie case. Yeah. But the film doesn't encourage you to do that so i would hesitate to criticize See, it for that alone why Snowtown? but I, don't, I think it needs a stronger ending to get away with what it had before it you think it does no i, th- I think it would need a stronger ending. yes yes it does. Um, i don't it does. i don't think that i don't think the ending of the film i think it was a feeble ending and i don't yeah. think it's a feeble film i think it's a strong film i think you're right i think the ending is what really was a deal breaker for me and you know i don't want to keep laboring about snowtown and the boys but those were films where we got an insight into how the characters got to the point they got to where they committed these awful acts of violence. And that's what made those films terrifying, especially Snowtown, because you could see how this stuff accumulated, how people were seduced by this violence and justified it. In this film, it's just there. And and even though it, it gives us some idea about, you know, the Stephen Curry character is bullied by other people and this might be some kind of power trip and... And, you know, he, he, his girlfriend or wife is heavily codependent. There's, sort of, there's, there's whisperings of this, but it doesn't, it doesn't flesh it out in anything that's, that's satisfying or in, insightful. And the film also very much follows the pattern of Silence of the Lambs in, in many ways that I found um, too generic, again, for the material. Like, you know, the first victim we don't see anything of in the, in the opening, like, five minutes. And the film very deliberately ensures we never identify with the first victim because she gets killed off in the first five minutes. So we know how horrible these people are. So by the time we get to know the second victim and there's much more identif- identification laid upon her, I think we start to you know we start to guess how this is going to go, mm. and and even it even pulls some of the editing trickery that Science of the Lambs does at the end as well. So I, I struggled as well yeah. with the fact that I saw a lot of it coming a mile off. I think it it kind of was trying to present itself as a a woman's film, to be totally that's, honest. That's one of my major problems yeah. with this because I think it misses the mark in a really, yeah. really, well, really it, it, unf- it seems, way. Yeah, and it seems like a really kind of thoughtless, thoughtless, very essentialist. 
if only she didn't run out and disobey her mother that night thing. Like, it's a little bit taken That's from her. Yeah. Yeah. If that only she wasn't didn't. from a broken home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is funny, her parents spend so much time together. on her makeup. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. this, is, this is where, listening to Stephen Curry, he was saying if if one young girl sees this film and will not make That's that decision. An and then I was like, Stephen, Come why are you on. saying that? You Come don't need on. to say that. You're a good actor. You're in a, you know, a good film. You don't need to say that. But um, it was all about the, the women relationships or the even the misunderstandings between women, like with the mother, she sided with the the, the, the young victim is um, coming from a, a, a family that's marriage is the mother and father are breaking up. She blames the mother. You know, it's all about bringing these women characters together. And I think even Emma Booth as Evelyn, um, the Stephen Curry character's um, partner, um, is seen, is shown as a, a victim, um, which I actually found problematic in itself because I found I, it outright offensive yeah. because it's so essentialist. Exactly. It's like, and and you know, also look she at, was look up Catherine Knight, look up Catherine yeah. Burney, look up these women on Wikipedia and tell me that women are not capable of doing really horrendous, exactly. atrocious things. Exactly. I think you've not, yeah. I, I kind of see what the film was trying to do. Yeah. And uh, I think there, there are bits and pieces that if I added them up differently in my head, I'd be okay with it. But mm. but the way the film was, the, the way the film is as it is, just didn't quite work for me. Mm. Yeah. So mm. we, we agreeing to give it a mixed review, I guess? I think so. Yeah, yeah. mixed review. I, I do think I still it was... Admire I still admire an awful lot. I, I, I think it was fascinating. I think it was <laughs> yes. a, a really accomplished film. I think uh, I, I feel like I'm I'm the same as Stephen Curry. When he was talking about it, I don't think he actually liked the film, but he said, I think it's a work of art. You are listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 Triple R FM in Melbourne, Australia. Wonder Woman is the fourth film in the DC Extended Universe franchise, which began back in 2013 with Man of Steel. Based on a comic book character created in the 1940s, originally to fight Nazis and supervillains, Wonder Woman is a superhero whose powers are due to the fact that she is a daughter of the Greek god Zeus and comes from the Amazonian tribe of warrior women. Despite the character's longevity and popularity in comics, animated films and television series, this is the first time she's had her own film, although the version of the character did appear in last year's Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice. This new film tells her backstory, although the setting has been changed to World War I and she goes by her real name, Diana Prince. Uh, played by Star on the Rise, Gal Gadot... Yep. Gal Gadot. Thank you. Diana travels to the Western Front with American spy Steve Trevor, played by Chris Pine, to confront and destroy Ares, the god of war whom Diana believes is responsible for World War One. The film is directed by Patty Jenkins. This is, I, I was kind of shocked to find this out, but this is the first film that she's made since Monster in 2003. She has done a lot of TV. She's done a lot of TV, yeah. a lot of... But you know, not films, yeah. Indie directors from the 90s and early 2000s. And she's had a family. Went into TV, so she, went into TV yeah. She decided that, that to rear a time. child, yeah. It's a bit time-consuming, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman, I've what heard, do you think? I've uh, heard, I don't know, really. This film has kind of really ignited. Uh, it's had a huge amount of critical support. Uh, it's done extremely well at the box office. I think there's a lot of goodwill behind this film, people wanting it to work, as one, it is the first female superhero in over a decade. Secondly, these DC films haven't been received very well. Mm-hmm. I, I actually didn't mind Man of Steel, and in many ways I think this film you follows... You didn't mind Man of Steel? Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I think this film actually does a lot of what that film was trying to do, but an okay. awful lot, a lot better. 
But I'm curious to hear from from you folks what you thought of of Wonder Woman. I think it was actually structured better than Man of Steel. Man of Steel was one of the most appallingly written pieces of cinema that I've seen for a couple of decades, I I've think. I've heard you defend Tusk. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. I, I haven't defended S- Tusk. Settle I need down. time. <laughs> but, um... I'll... I'll, I'll, but, I'll, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll do my comparison later when we get back yes. to me. I'm going to shut up. Okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Well, it's all very enjoyable, isn't it? I en- I enjoyed Wonder Woman. I thought it was a, a lot of fun. I don't think it is the big game changer that everyone seems to think it is. Um, I think that this is the for some reason a new a good superhero com- film comes in and everyone thinks it's a revolution in cinema, and he, it's just here's not. a game changer. Stop making superhero films. Ah, Pow. Oh my god! Kapow! Bang! <laughs> Well, Alex. <laughs> I did want to see a spin around on the spot and change your clothes. In you sound like my mother on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of all these superhero films. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That was, that was horrible. That was uncalled for, wasn't it? Thomas's mum represents. <laughs> I'm here. So um, she, she's not even on Facebook. She's paranoid. She'll be she'll be tracked down. <laughs> Neither am I. Yeah. No, no, you. Sorry, <laughs> Alex. Uh, Emma. 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 Cut back to Emma. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that uh, you know. Yes, all very well and good. Rah rah. Um, digital special effects, not my thing. Uh, didn't really like them again. And I found watching this, I was like, oh god, I feel like with the gods and everything as well. I'm I'm stuck in this digital ancient world, um, a la. Zack Snyder and lo and behold he's got his fingers all over this um, he was one of the co-writers I believe and producers he developed the story of it yeah he didn't, he didn't actually write the screenplay okay the screenplay was the written story. by a guy with quite a decent background in comic book writing oh, okay yeah and he's uh, but he was one of the producers as well and I think that that um, I guess I, I feel really down on Zack Snyder because he started so well with the remake of Dawn of the Dead that and was great wow. really yeah yeah that was such a great film and mm. Downhill ever since. Sucker punch, never forget. Oh, Jesus Man of Christ. Steel. Oh, he made Man God. of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> 300, <laughs> anyone? 300? Uh, yeah. I didn't yeah. like 300. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> Focus, people. I was waiting for Linda Carter, but she apparently was singing cabaret and couldn't uh, couldn't uh, appear in the film in a cameo. But Gal, Gal Gadot, wow, my God, this woman, she is just... I could stare at Gal Gadot, and I'm a straight woman, I could stare at Gal Gadot all day. She's absolutely mesmerising and was fantastic in, in, in that role. I think as this being a big super feminist film, apart the fa- from the fact that it's a female superhero, I didn't really get any of that from it. It was more like she was sort of this sweet innocent because she'd lived in this cloistered, in this beautiful island with waterfalls and amazing Amazon women, which I think we'd all like to live on. Uh, and um, she was just surprised and couldn't understand the world of man and what was happening. But the argument could be that, you know, you'd have a cloistered man who would look at that world and feel the same way. So I didn't really get that kind of wow, what a strong female message, apart from the fact that she was a female superhero. That's about it. And a woman director? And a woman director. We'll get it to Patty Jenkins for that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this was fun. It was perfectly daft. And uh, one thing that came to me watching it, I'm really not a superhero film fan, 
Um, it's casting my mind back to, of all things, uh, King Kong, Skull Island, and our uh, ex-caver Josh Nelson's piece on the uh, the use of the Vietnam War as just sort of as a backdrop to all this mayhem. And really, this film is guilty of really the same sort the of same nonsense. Thing. World War One is just frippery in this. It's just a, a backdrop for superhero antics uh, that is really just inconsequential. It, it, it almost deigns to uh, uh, attempt to wring some pathos out of the ghastliness of trench warfare and other things that were just unspeakably horrific and yet it's really just window dressing for a whole bunch of CGI fight sequences and other things that are utterly unbelievable because you can't even believe these things are on screen in any palpable way because they're not palpable. They cannot be palpated. Uh, they are not things. <laughs> yeah. I believe, though, um, Cerise, that uh, um, unlike Brie Larson, she is not just pert of breast and buttock. Um, <laughs> In, in, no, no. Look, at least I, I agree. Gal, uh, is her surname really Gadot? Is yes, it? It's not Gadot. Yes. Or, no, Gadot, I think. Gadot. Gadot. Pronounce, yeah. Really? It, it's it's, it's yeah. not just Thomas this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is terrific. She is, she is uh, and Chris Pine's lots of fun in this as well. They, they have lovely banter. But there's just you and the, Brenner's in this, Cerise. I thought yes, of you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Why? I don't bear any... I mean, what are you saying? <laughs> because when we discussed Train Spotting yes. 2, you and I bemoaned the fact yes, that you and Brenna... much of them. You don't yeah. get to see much of stuff, and here I he was is. here. Exactly. You guys had a moment. I yeah. can verify that a moment was had. Oh, bless. I don't know what he was you doing and... in that film, though. He wasn't yeah. doing much. Well, no... Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dying to jump in and defend this film, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I still had a lot of fun, and I, I enjoyed... I mean, the one person who really struck me as having any gravitas at all was Robin Wright Penn uh, as the woman who's her... I think she's, she's dropped the pen. The, the, has she? She's literally yeah, yeah. dropped the pen. Give her some credit. Yeah. She's dropped yeah. the pen. She's always, she's always Princess Buttercup to me, by oh, the way. Oh, Buttercup. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Bill, Robin yeah. Wright in the yes, opening Robin sequences. Wright, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, she's terrific. Yeah. Uh, she just owns those scenes. And uh, and then I'm I'm reminded of her casting in the Congress in particular this film which imagines a future which is seeming to become very close indeed where the likes of her need never play women of any age uh, older than they were when they first find fame let's say and I, I think that's a, there's a little bit of meta casting possibly with her being in this role and that she's defiantly some, probably in her forties or so here and looking absolutely incredible and just um, genuine physical action, not all CGI stuff, because the CGI stuff and this is so CGI, it's so over the top, yet Robin Wright has this amazing physical presence and is she just owns the film for as long as she's on screen. Um, but I'm, I'm mindful of, uh, will it future Wonder Woman films and this is definitely going to spin off and spin off and spin off, will Gad, Gal Gadot be Gal Gadot as she is in this film forever or will she go the Robin Wright in the Congress path? I think there's a whole worlds of these superhero films where they're so CGI augmented already that this wonderful film, The Congress, that we, we would have covered on Plato's Cave a few years back. You know yeah, the one I mean? Do. Yeah, I, just, I do. I, do. Yeah. I own a copy of that. Yeah, it yeah. descends it, into a whole animated psychedelic yeah. world. Yeah, but it's, but it's this idea that actors now can sell the rights to their digital image. Yeah, and yeah. with that recent Star Wars film we revived Peter Cushing. Peter and Cushing, I mean, we're yeah. really on a, mm. the cusp of something here. And I think these superhero films are the things that are really straddling that cusp more than mm. anything because they're already so far removed from reality. And hence all the slow-mo uh, CGI fight sequences in this as well, which don't really do I anything for me. Like I'd really all. much rather see people 
actually beating one another up. I love the Matrix, but the Matrix has a lot to answer for. Yeah, <laughs> Zach, that's the Zack Schneider influence too, that slow-mo yes. thing. But mm. I, yeah, I really enjoyed the spectacle of this. I thought I actually got very excited during the action sequences. And, and I know they, they did do that ultra slow motion thing an awful lot, but just the physicality of this film I found really exciting. I, I had a sense of how the action was taking place, you know, who was head kicking who and who was jumping on whose shield and what sort of thing. It wasn't just the kind of digital debris you get in a, a Zack Schneider or a Michael Bay digital film. Digital debris, I love yeah, that. I, I always wonder, I always think of trying to think of ways to describe it. That is perfect, well, the, Thomas. Well, the thing where you just do lots of very quick edits and you just throw yeah. stuff at the screen and people think they've been entertained but they've just been confused. Mm-hmm. This film I found coherent. I enjoyed the action. It does have that. I mean, this maybe it's because I've been disappointed by the previous films from this DC universe, but I think this one is a huge step up. It's brighter for a start. I, I think she. The, the comparison I was going to make to Man of Steel is both characters are these sort of emotionally underdeveloped demigods who have to figure out how Earth and humans work so she is completely naive about how the real world works but at no point is she presented as vulnerable or or, or stupid or, or, or foolish she just hasn't learned this stuff yet so it's sort of and again man of steel did this to a degree as well it's kind of a coming of age film for for an adult who's been kept away from the world as as we know it and i think her her emotional development through this film i found quite sophisticated like grace stoke um <laughs> That's a very random reference, but sure. An um, adult coming of age yeah. film. Okay, yeah, okay, sure. Um, and, and again, and I, and I think the way that it's engaged with the history actually was um, quite interesting. I don't think this was trivial at all because she she goes into this in World War One thinking all she has to do is fight one guy and she's going to solve the war. And and her kind of realization throughout this film is that war is incredibly complicated and you don't just defeat the supervillain and then all the minions they have under their control collapse and give in which is a very big science fiction trope you just destroy the head villain and then everybody else throws down their swords or they're no longer controlled by mind control or you know they're no longer animated there is a great moment where she realizes the battle is far from over it's just gonna keep going this is far more complicated than i thought and there's also this kind of thing where she's on, on this big mission with this band of misfits and Chris Pine and his fellow um, travellers, they're all very much presented as outsiders as well and they make it quite a point of saying some of them, are, you know, that there's, there's an a, a American Indian who is part of their, their team who's very avert about, well, my land was stolen from me, so this now gives me some kind of purpose because it was robbed, you know, a few you know, decades ago from me. Um, and these conversations about you know they're trying to go on to the big mission, but she does she just takes this big sidestep. It's this whole bigger picture versus the smaller moments kind of question. Like, does she put the war on hold so she can go and liberate this one town where she's heard people are being kept kept prisoner? And I think there was a bit of complexity in all that in terms of the ideology of of, of war. I don't think it's a very deep complexity. No, it's uh, not. But this is a superhero film that's mass entertainment. Well, like I, I say, I don't like superhero films <laughs> terribly much. It's not, I'm, I'm sounding awfully defensive all of a sudden. But I think compared to the films that have come before and, and the Marvel films, this is a far more emotionally mature film. 
as well as looking great. I, yeah, and again, Gal Gadot has just become one of my favourite. Did you say you thought this was stars. lighter than previous? Because I thought this was really dark, as in the the palette on screen, just yeah, the way it's lit was compared to things like Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel. Yeah, it's yeah I mean, still... I haven't seen those, but so yeah. this struck me as dark, and I wondered maybe that's because it was shot for three D, and there's still a thing where some people making films in three D don't get the lighting right for two D audiences, or quite what it is. Mm. It's I, I guess compared to the Marvel films, yeah, it's still is a bit dark and gloomy but compared to DC this is a whole rainbow of colours <laughs> <laughs> well it certainly opens in a light fashion with that lovely sunny island so mm. that's probably you know I, I did I, I think that it was about the contrast between that idyllic paradise and then um, London gloomy World War One London which was you know it was meant to show those contrasts so it was quite effective in actually it opens in Paris doesn't it at the Louvre for it, some reason oh yes actually well, it, yeah, yeah, yeah because we've yeah. seen that character already yeah. in another film Oh, have so we? it's her now today. We haven't all. Well, uh, I, yes. <laughs> I, I, oh, apropos watched. of nothing in particular, this <laughs> woman works at the Louvre <laughs> and is perhaps Wonder Woman. I was wondering about yeah. that too. No, I thought, oh, no, good, no. good decision. Yeah. Where, where, where sure, are we going to stay in the world? Yeah, go for Paris. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but I, I do agree with you. I think we've been starved of good superhero films for quite a while um, mm. that we do have a tendency maybe to go a little bit over the top when one is vaguely good. But I, I think this one has the goods. No, I, I still had some fun. I'm just yeah. I, I had some fun as well. Anyway. I, I just don't think it was it's the shit. I rewatched you know. Barbed Wire instead. That's still Did, that's oh, still magic. Pammy, that's a Pammy. superhero film. Oh. I'm going to move on. <laughs> You're listening to Planet's Cave here in 3 Triple R. Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. 20th Century Women is an independent American film set at the end of the 1970s in Southern California. This is the new film by writer-director Mike Mills, whose previous film was Beginners from 2010 that starred Ewan McGregor and Christopher Plummer. 20th Century Women is very loosely inspired by Mills' childhood, so it's a sort of coming-of-age story with 15-year-old Jamie, played by emerging actor Lucas Jade Zuman, at the centre of the film. However, the focus is really on his mother, Dorothea, played by Annette Benning, and the two women Dorothea enlists to help guide Jamie in place of him having a father figure. One of those women is Jamie's best friend, Julie, played by Elle Fanning, and the other is Abby, played by Greta Gerwig. Uh, She's a photographer who lives in the same boarding house as Jamie and Dorothea. The other major character is another one of the boarders, William, played by Billy Crudup, who is suddenly everywhere now. The five characters form a de facto family unit of sorts against the backdrop of the sexual revolution, the emergence of the punk scene, and the impending presidency of Ronald Reagan. Ta-da. Thoughts on 20th century women? There's some acting in this, huh? And that Benning, yow. Is it just me or does she knock this out of the she park and then some? She acts with just all her face. She's all her <laughs> muscles. All her muscles work in her face. Just call this the, the Annette Benning show. And I mean, like, it was, it's, it's, you but, forget. You now, are forget you saying how, this no, in capital A acting or that she's no, no, genuinely like, magnificent? I think that this is a really, really strong, incredible performance. Yeah, I okay, think that it's I agree. just, you forget, or maybe when I say you, I mean, I forget. Mm. I mean, me. One forgets. One forgets. She's bloody one had how forgotten. strong she is, yeah. and she mm. just she's just on camera, and everything else just falls away. She just holds that that camera gaze. She just is extraordinary on film. Yeah, it's interesting because watching um, uh, there was a similar mother character in Beginners, and I forget the actress's name. Oh, I do as well. Like. But Beginners is also based on his. 
Yeah. So obviously, yeah. there's the, he's got this kind of quirky left of centre um, maternal figure in his life, and um, so that that sort of character is in Beginners. But she's like when you when you see Annette Benning play that role, she just really is really 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 good, and she just owns it just in rips a way. The screen apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also someone like Greta Gerwig, having seen her, you know, in her little quirky leading roles, to see her in these um, secondary roles and that she is so strong and so composed within those roles without overtaking or trying to overshadow the rest of the film. I'm actually getting yeah. to like her more and more and more. I was so impressed with her in Jackie and in that small role and in this one as well. I think she's just one of those actresses, not not just to look for. I mean, she's already we're already looking at her, but that she will only get better and better. And um, Elle Fanning as well. She's another one that's in everything at the moment, the same as Billy Crudder. Yeah, she really is, yeah. Strange. But it was a really good ensemble. I think it, he, he's got a certain tone, Mike Mills, with um, this really is similar to Beginners in its little, it's stylistically in the way, although it's got much more levity than um, Beginners. Beginners felt like a heavier film. Um, but uh, I think that... It works so well and it really came together in this movie. He's that quirkiness, that idea of putting different media in, you know, the way he tells the story in media res as well, right in the centre of things. Um, But um, uh, I think that while he comes together with it in this, I wouldn't want to see him do it too much often after this. He's very much in quirky, whimsical yet territory here but I which is normally a huge turn off for me mm. so the fact that it didn't turn me off in this film is, is saying something I, I, I think it's painfully it, cool yeah but it, it, it works and I think it's because the ensemble is just so incredibly strong yeah. I, there was some point in the middle of this film I just suddenly had this revelation that I, I just adored being in the company of these characters and I just wanted to hang out with so all five I. of them yeah and all I of them too. You know, and all the actors were just giving splendid performances. And I'll just quickly second what you said about Greta Gerwig. I mean, I liked her quirky persona, but it's also amazing seeing her evolve as an actor and become more of a chameleon. And I think this is the best thing she's done to date. I Um, think she can do a lot. I think we might get to see her do a lot. I hope so. That was, I think, I I really enjoyed this film and I would agree absolutely with everything that you guys have said. Um, I mean, the car begins with a shot of a car on fire. So it's like, I'm in. I yeah. just think all films should well, start. It's a great opening, isn't it? It's a really great opening. I mean, yeah. I just, just yeah. all films should be. Citizen Kane, just just tack onto the start of that film a shot of a car on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just the rule. It's the Alex with, rule. With Gail Gadot maybe jumping over <laughs> from a shield. Um, at just me. And crushing just, someone between her thighs. I just, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed this film, but I don't think, I think if you ask me questions about this film in three months, I probably won't have answers. I don't think it's a film that's going to stay with me on any particularly deep level, but that's not really yeah. criticism because I don't think it's meant to. But um, yeah, for me, aside from the amazing soundtrack, I think the real... The real slap in the face for me was Greta Gerwig, who I've, I'm on this very show. I have very much. I think I referred to her once as the human cardigan. Yes, I find, I find her did. so so annoying. She's just one of my least, or has been one of my least favorite. I wasn't. Performers. A, I wasn't a um, fan. I'm probably sat somewhere between you and Thomas. That, what but was that that's cardigan film that she was? Oh, I guess they're all cardigan films. Well, so she's Fran- the, Francis Hart was kind of the peak of that. There was another. There was one that we did on this show. 
great yeah, film. Yeah, we did last year. Oh, yes. it was just the most beige film I've ever seen. It was so beige. And she was, yeah, this human cardigan. And I just thought there's nothing this woman can ever do. Was another that Noah, ever, no, yeah, Noah was another Baumbach. How do you say his name? Baumbach. Noah Baumbach. Baumbach. Yeah, he's her partner. <laughs> he's her partner, yeah. She's yeah. in most of his films. No, I know the one you mean. I can't even remember the name of it. There was babies and confusion and wacky love hijinks. Oh, kill me. <laughs> Um, which to be said, those things are in this film, and that that awful cover of Dancing in the Dark. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. The, the uh, Kathleen Hanna, the Kathleen version. Hanna cover. We yeah. can yes. remember all of this stuff about this uh, Greta except Gerwig, the film, except the actual title. <laughs> um, that being said, Greta Gerwig, this is I'm the same. This is the film that absolutely I thought she's mm-hmm. incredible. Like I get it now. Um, maybe mm-hmm. it's just the short hair dyed red. And watching her jump around to Susie and the Banshees, where I suddenly clicked. 